0: Coming up this week, off-screen. We have the mother of all Jennifer Lawrence movies. We'll meet an American assassin. Victoria meets Abdul. The villainess starts an all-out war. Pure Flix makes the case for Christ. It's almost heaven in a Chinese mortuary. And family feuds get violent on my pure land. All those to come and more, off-screen. This is This is Off-Screen. Offscreen. Latest film news and reviews. This is Off Screen, the On Screen Radio Show. Welcome to Offscreen, I'm Van Connor And I'm John Coulson. So, Mr Coulson, thanks for joining us this week, by the way. Mister No Mr. absence. So, uh, before we get to the news, the reviews, the top five, all the usual fun, we've got some competitions to plug as well, some quite juicy ones, actually. Nice. Um, let's, let's start with some news, as always. What have you got for me on the old news feed? Well, as a lifelong Waynesworld fan, there's something about Mike Myers, so... There is something about Mike Myers. Let's go for that. Well, there was. There was something about Mike Myers, and then he made The Love Guru... <laughs> and uh, when he made the Love Guru, I think we all wanted him to go away. Yeah, I've just ignored that. I'm like, mm. Well he did go away after the Love Guru, that was the thing. <laughs> and uh, and now he's is is he back? Um so he's uh, he's in talks to join Queen Bahamian Rhapsody? Yeah, the Queen Biopic. Um Oh the um is it Remy... Remy... Remy Malek. Oh, Remy Malik from the, uh, Mr. The pi- Robot. The picture, he looks incredible. He really does look like Freddie Mercury, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. I wouldn't have thought it. No. No, I really it's, wouldn't have thought... It's like it. the in the vest. I know. It's like a, it's like wearing the Iron Man suit. <laughs> <laughs> it just makes you naturally look like... Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so Mike my, Myers... No idea who this guy's going to be playing. Hopefully a lover. <laughs> I hope so, but... No, they, I think they cast... Oh no, they've cast Paul Prentice, who was uh, Freddie's sort of corrupt manager. All right. Um, but no, I've no idea. I've no idea who uh, Mike Myers could be playing. It's always good to see him on screen there. Brian Singer is directing it, though. I didn't know if you knew that. So, X Men guy. X Men Brian Singer. So, uh, look at me remembering a name. I know. Look at you. You're growing as a film person. <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right. Let me tell you about a film then. I've no idea if this is one that you actually would want to see or not. All right. So this is Mother. Uh, and this is the latest for from direct, from director Darren Aronofsky, uh, who, you know, of course, famously made uh, The Wrestler. That yeah. was probably his, his most mainstream. That was sort of an, an awards contender. I think that's the only one I've seen. Gave us Mickey Rourke back yeah. after he'd been away for a long time. Then he made Iron Man 2, and it all went to hell. Yeah. Well, since, he's made a little film called White's... Uh, White's Black Swan. Black White, Swan. oh Swan. Black Swan. He made Black Swan, yeah. As well. And this then obviously became another awards contender, and yeah. now he's back. And you can tell it's about that time when we start to get the Oscar movies again. Yeah, because you get the really like deep, dark trailers. Ex- exactly, yeah. So Mother is the first of these movies. It right. stars Jennifer Lawrence and Javier Bardem. Yeah. And I can't tell you too much of the plot. This is the weird thing. I can't. Is it just giveaways? It, it, it's too much. The, the whole thing is you have to see the film and not really know. But what I can tell you about the plot is that it is about a married couple who live in a secluded rural house, which is the husband's childhood home, which, we, well, we're told was destroyed and that she has rebuilt and redecorated for him. She is his much younger wife. Right. He is an author-slash-doctor, it's never been particularly clear, and <laughs> one day he welcomes in some sort of unexpected guests into their home, played by Ed Harris at and uh, shortly afterwards, Michelle Pfeiffer. Okay. And their arrival starts Jennifer Lawrence's life completely unraveling and will lead to one of the most bonkers films you've seen in years. Oh, wow. Here's a clip. Why don't you want kids? Excuse me? <sighs> I saw how you reacted earlier. <sighs> I know what it's like when you're just starting out and you think you have all the time in the world and... You know, you're not going to be so young forever. Have kids. Then you'll be creating something together. This is all just. setting. Oh, you do want them. Yeah, as I told you, it's bonkers. Right, you're looking at me completely dumbstruck. Yeah, so the trailer, Yeah. for once, the trailer gives nothing away, so that was nice. Oh yeah, yeah, I I promise you, it gives absolutely nothing away. You have no idea what to expect when you see this, I promise you. You you don't. Great. Right, I can't tell you whether you're going to like it or not, because I can't tell you if I like it or not, (laughs) okay? I can't tell you if it's any good or not, right? It is a film that you have to sit and watch, okay, and... You don't, you come out of the cinema or the screening room weather and you you can't make an opinion on it. You, You can't form, you can't make any kind of critical assessment of it. You have to sit there and stew on it for a while. You have to process it and it takes days. Okay, I saw this first thing Monday morning. Still haven't properly processed it. Can't do it. Uh, Kermode saw it last Tuesday night. As far as I know, he hasn't properly processed it yet. I have no idea what to say. Uh, Alan came out of this and said it was it was his wow film of the week. Um, it, wow stands for something of the week. It, it's a bad thing, put it that way. Um, I've heard people tell me it's wonderful. I've had people tell me it's the worst thing they've ever seen. Ah. Um, I've seen the Fountain though, which was Darren Aronofsky's sci-fi film in about two thousand six, two thousand seven, okay. and that is infinitely more bonkers and less coherent than this. This actually does have things going for it. Michelle Pfeiffer's the best thing in it, oh. like really. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence does uh, goes into a whole area that she's never had before, a whole new fertile ground. And Darren Aronofsky's written this as well. All right. So, you know, he, he's obviously, he's very embedded in it because his, his fingerprints are all over it. And when I say that, I mean in the performances, you can tell that he has specifically turned around to Javier Bardem and said, you know that sort of seductive reptilian thing that you do, right? Do that, but I want you to make it really enticing. I want you to actually seduce us and make it charming. Go on, do it. And, and he does, and he does. And then Ed Harris turns up, and he's kind of Ed, just Ed Harris. Well, if you're that cool, yeah, it works. Um, but yeah, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, absolutely my MVP in this. There's a load of like weird little appearances from matches that you wouldn't expect. So Kristen Week turns up in this. What? Yeah, I know. D- did not expect it. And right. The plotline I've given you does not describe the film. It just goes into so many different tonal areas, and it's all over the place, and it's bonkers. And it has it has elements where it deals with uh, the, the feminine connection to nature and life itself, and a story of the cult of personality. Or on the other hand, it could just all be pretentious nonsense. Ah, uh. could be. Could be either. Could go either way. For me, it sounds... <laughs> it sounds like W.O.W. was on Yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the thing you can't deny about it, though, and you do come away and you do think, wow, okay, I've got to give him his due. Aronofsky has made a film unlike any that has come before it and unlike any that will come after it. Yeah. It's a film like... Apocalypse Now or Fight Club or American Psycho you know those films that even if you don't love the film you respect it as being so unique and so important you have to have it on your DVD shelf Yeah, you know what I mean like you know, The Breakfast Club or something like that yeah. you have these films this is one of those oh, it, yeah. it's you know like The Big Lebowski or something like that what just one of those seminal that happened that year yeah. film that you just look at on the shelf and every time someone comes round and sees it, you wind up having a conversation about it. Does it just need a good film poster and it can be on every film student's wall? Yeah, well, that's the thing about this. This is going to wind up in a lot of those Empire films to see before you die lists. Uh, you know right, the ones? Yes. I like the face you pull when you said that. Yeah, you know the ones? They're not actually great movies, but they're unique movies. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. But at least you're thinking about it when, once you've left. It's not like one of them films that you sit and watch and you are be like, well, that happened. But funnily enough, that's uh, we've got one of those to review later. All right. We have got one one of those you're like well that was a thing that happened <laughs> i was there <laughs> i i sat through that i can honestly say that much <laughs> but yeah um, i didn't I, I didn't think mother was particularly mind blowing as you know as an experience i yeah. did think it was mind bending as an experience but i did think it was a very unique experience it's a very very unique film it is like nothing you have ever seen that's got to be a positive. so I mean, it doesn't have any mainstream appeal. This is the thing I don't get. Yeah. They've put a lot of money into marketing. They, they erected a giant monument to Jennifer Lawrence outside King's Cross. And I can't work out why, because if you try to get the mainstream general public audience into this, there's going to be rioting. Word of mouth is going to kill this film dead. all uh, right, But still. But then again, you know, Shawshank Redemption was, uh, you know, not well received when it came out. So, you know, neither here nor there. Nice. No. So let's plug the podcast edition. You're a fan of our podcast editions. I am. I you am. are the reason we have digital bling. So. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I use it as well. <laughs> yes, I know, you've been using it to skip to the reviews yeah, if you want to listen to. Because <laughs> I'm lazy and corp. <laughs> Which is a thing they don't advertise that you can do. Like yeah. ACAS themselves don't advertise that if you open the podcast on their page you can skip to the relevant yeah, film by clicking the poster. It's the best part of it. Yeah. I like it. But, uh, yeah, so, uh, go on iTunes, go on ACAST, Deezer, uh, uh, in, download the extended podcast edition. This week, we've got two reviews we can't fit in the radio edit that are going to be on the podcast, and, of course, more news and Moment of Cage, oh, which yes. is always fun. Uh, let's plug our competitions as well, because, uh, well, both of these I'm really happy about. All right, uh, If you go on to onscreenfilm.com, go in the competition section. This week, we have... 15th anniversary Blu-ray box sets of Firefly to give away oh, so you are I'm, happy about I am happy you know I love how much I love Firefly yeah. um, I literally have a Serenity poster on my bedroom wall I'm a huge I have a tattoo of Firefly yeah. I am a huge Firefly fan have you ever watched Firefly? no he's um. He's he's Johnny, Johnny from two guys oh Nathan Fillion a girl in a pizza place or whatever it's called <laughs> yeah. to me which <laughs> angers so many people I know oh no he's the weatherman from Modern Family to me yeah, he <laughs> is. Yeah. he's got a name like Stormy Weathers yeah. or something Something like that. Gale something. But uh, Yeah, and we've also got copies of My Life as a Courgette on Blu-ray to give away. Uh, actually, we have T-shirts with those as well. My Life as a Courgette is an amazing movie. It is an animated, a French animated film, and it's just Gorgeous And it will absolutely It will have you weeping By the end of it It's got a fantastic name It has Uh, It's also outside of Europe Known as My Life is a Zucchini So right. (laughs) And in the English language dub Nick Offerman is in it Oh well It's always always like that So yeah Onscreenfilm.com Go in the competition section Win some swag Win some Firefly Win some courgettes (laughs) Actual courgettes With the latest film news And reviews This is Offscreen the on-screen radio show And we're back. So, Mr. Golson. Yes. Shall we uh, go back to Victorian England now? Let's do it. Okay. So, Victoria and Abdul, you can't kind of miss the ads for this. They're they're out there. They're like buses. They're on buses. Yeah. <laughs> so this stars Judi Dench as Queen Victoria, a role she's no stranger to. Yeah. Because I, is there a British monarch that Judi Dench has not played at this point? I think if we could choose, she would be an actual monarch for us. I, I think, I think that, that, that would absolutely be a choice the British public would be willing, willing to make. Yeah. Uh, either Judi Dench or Helen Mirren, perhaps. Oh, but So this stars uh, Judi Dench as uh, Queen Victoria, who she actually played in uh, is it Her Majesty and Miss... Uh, Mr. Brown? I forget the title. Uh, one with Billy Connolly, where he was Mr. Brown. Um, uh, oh. It was in the wake of Albert's death, she befriended Mr. Brown, who was Billy Connolly, and it was about their friendship. Uh, this weirdly works as sort of a sequel. All right. Right, so you actually can, because Mr. Brown is mentioned All right, in yeah. this film. She actually mentions him at a point. It's, it's a very strange thing. You think, okay, I can't remember if the tone of Mr. Brown kind of fits this one but okay i'm going to have to look that up while i go um what the title that one was um so this stars uh, say dude Ed- and ali fazal as as abdul of the title now abdul is a clerk at a prison in india where his his job is literally because he's one of the few that can read and write a few okay. people working like a and write he documents all the prisoners names and id's like okay. right, for the ledgers which at the time was a full time job what he what then happens is he is tasked with an assignment by the regional uh, British overlord or overseer. Sorry, um, oh, uh, overlord. <laughs> To uh, to basically take a coin to England and present it to Queen Victoria as a gesture. Obviously, Queen Victoria was the Empress of India to present it as a gesture from the Indian people. Uh-huh. Once he gets there with um, Adil Akhtar, who you might remember from Four Lions, he was the guy that kept trying to put bombs on crows. Yes, yeah, right. <laughs> Adil Akhtar gets sent along as well. and He really doesn't want to be there. He just wants to go back to India and be back with his family. Um, once there, Abdul, uh, you know, come, sort of gets noticed by Victoria because he's kind of cheeky he's he's a little bit chirpy he's a little bit cheeky and he doesn't quite understand the ins and outs of the stiff upper lip attitude okay the the aristocracy and how you're supposed to behave and she likes this in him she begins a friendship with him and he ascends very quickly from being a servant to being her mushti as she calls it uh, which is actually the term for spiritual advisor spiritual religious teacher and he teaches her all about the customs and religions of that part of the world a part of the world that she herself has never actually been to for instance there's a prolonged gag about the fact that she's never had a mango and he tells her it's the greatest fruit in the world and the whole thing about that but her staff her household staff her advisors and even her own son Bertie who's played by Eddie Izzard and he's fantastic in it so so just sleazy and slimy um They obviously take complete issue with Abdul's presence, you know, from from day one and want him gone. They will conspire and try and do anything to to loosen his ever-increasing grip, as they see it, on the Queen of England. Here's a clip. I want you to teach me Indian. Indian? Hindu, whatever it is you speak. Are you sure? Of course I'm sure. But... Why would you like to learn Hindi, Your Majesty? Well, I am Empress of India. Look, I've ordered a book. I want you to give me private lessons. I can't teach you Hindi, Your Majesty. Why ever not? You are the Empress of India. You should learn Urdu, the language of the Mughals. There are a thousand languages in India, but Urdu is the most noble. That Judy Dench voice, as you say, it's, oh, it's incredible. You can't match it, can you? No, Even in Riddick. <laughs> <laughs> we like to forget she did that, don't we? <laughs> so, um, this is, and this is so unprofessional to si, say, this is Charming AF. Oh, nice. Yeah, best way I can say that, uh, for off-con regulations. <laughs> um, yeah, I was grinning ear to ear the whole way through this movie. Um, I, was, I, I, I loved it. I really did. I thought it was so charming. It's directed by Stephen Frears who uh, famously directed uh, The Queen, directed uh, High Fidelity, uh, directed Florence Fo- uh, Florence Foster Jenkins uh, last year. And uh, he's, he is a, a very prestigious British director, I would say, and, he, and he's the perfect match for this material. Yeah. Even though he has taken on things like High Fidelity in the past where they are slightly edgier material, things like Florence Foster Jenkins and The Queen tend to be quite regal affairs, yeah. even when they're doing, going for that whole upstairs-downstairs-screwball kind of comedy thing. This does work. It works because it is that perfect balance of we need to have the stiff upper lip behind the camera as well as on camera and at the same time, we need to have fun with it. And there is fun to be had. Having said that, there is also, you know, a need to be dark and serious and, yeah. and to address there's a you know a whole there's a misunderstanding, for instance, between Abdul and Victoria regarding um the status of Muslims in India and, right. an, and an uprising. And it, it goes quite seriously and it does become quite heartbreaking. And I mean, I, I won't lie to you, there is a point in this film in which I did genuinely start to well up. I didn't break. But I weld up. Well done. (laughs) All right. (laughs) I didn't break, though. I want it on record. I weld, I didn't break. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, but I do think uh, Ali Fazal is—he's a real find here. He's—he's he's genuinely got the charisma this needs. I don't know him from anything else. I don't remember seeing him in anything else. I bet if I look it up, he's been in many things that I loved. But that guy from that thing—he's that guy from that thing to me. But he's—he's he's just got such a, a ripe charisma for this. And of course, Judi Dench playing Queen Victoria is the easiest sell ever. Yeah. But the, the great success for me here is, um, is Eddie Azard. Eddie Izzard as Bertie. I think he's absolutely terrific. And playing an older gentleman for a change as well. Actually right. playing kind of his, near his age. He's like a 57-year-old. Okay. Eddie Azard's in his early 50s now, isn't he? I, Ageless, somewhere. mate. Ageless. But, uh, but yeah, you do. every time you, you hear him say anything in that classic Eddie Azard voice... <laughs> it's a cake or death cake please <laughs> but uh, you do have many many Eddie Izzard flashbacks through this movie and uh, and they're all brilliant and he's fantastic in it I can't recommend the film highly enough I do think it's it's a film that's going to work for all ages and I think it is only a 12A All right. but it's a film that has appeal for all ages I think actually the historical side of it is quite interesting as well um, in fact actually the historical side of this works better than the recent uh, Viceroy's House I want to say the Viceroy's House, um, oh, with Hugh Bonneville, where they did The Partition of India. Oh, I'm, um, I'm, this kind of ends by telling us what happened at The Partition, but okay. the way that it deals with, with the politics of India at the time is actually dealt with kind of more sensitively than Viceroy's House was. Right. But there you go. Um, no, performances are great. Stephen Freeze is great behind the camera. It's got a, a, a wonderful colour palette to it. I love... I just love the tone of it. I love the comedy of it. And I just found it charming as all hell. And, yeah... That's nice. That was. Yeah. I'd be honest. I had a long day that day. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you start your day with Mother and you end it with Victorian Abdul yes. and in between you have American Assassin and the Villainess, that's a weird day. Slip a sandwich in there, and that's a that's a full one for the diary. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so what's in the news? Um, so we've got some uh, some Star Wars news. Oh, we have a director. Oh, we do. We do. I don't know if you heard this last week. Uh, Colin Trevorrow got sacked as the director of Star Wars Episode Nine. Yeah. Yeah, it turns out if you direct The Book of Henry, people don't want you around much longer. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then, of course, the kid from Book of Henry, he fared a little better because he got to star in It. Yeah. And he's actually quite good in here. His oh. name is Jaden Lieberher, I think his name is. But he's quite good. Huh. Um, Colin Trevor less so. Um, give him his dues, though. The direction of the film is not the problem. The writing of the film, terrible. All right. Um... So he got sacked, and they found a replacement in a matter of days, and it's J.J. Abrams. Did they even have to look that far? Uh, this is going to divide people. This is because re- there are people who really dislike the Force Awakens. I don't get it, but they do. But you know what? He's back. He's 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 directing it. He's not writing it. All right, that uh, that's, that honour goes to Chris Terrios, writer of the award-winning Argo, and the less award-winning Batman vs Superman. Oh dear, but uh, yeah, so look for that. Oh, it's also been pushed back to Christmas 2019. Is which... that to just make that a little bit more money? Well, this is the weird thing because as it stands now, that means it's going to be it's going to have been Christmas, 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 summer for Han Solo, Christmas for uh, Episode Nine. Hmm. So I think Han Solo. Clearly he's got to get pushed back now. Yeah. they going to push it. Hopefully it's better than Rogue One anyway. You weren't a Rogue One fan, No. You? Okay. Well, we'll fight later. Okay. We'll fight later. Okay. So, uh is <laughs> top five? Uh Yeah, let's do it. Number five. And I, I will love you. Hitman's bodyguard. <laughs> you enjoy that, didn't oh you? Oh my God, I did not see that coming. <laughs> you haven't listened for a few weeks, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, So um, I really liked The Hitman's Bodyguard I know Case did as well I know a majority Of critics despised it um, I mean That usually means It's fun Usually means and, and that's the thing It is fun It's not brilliant Even I'll tell you It's not brilliant It doesn't have to be If it's right. fun But that's the thing It, it, it is fun it, 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 You diddle You do laugh um, It's got the action chops It's got the comedy chops It wastes Ryan Reynolds I'll be honest It does Because you don't get Ryan Reynolds To play the straight man He He's meant to play You know The, the wisecracking Does he take his top off there is a shirtless shot in there. So yeah, Kelly, Kelly will be fine. They're yeah. they. not fully wasted, Not fully wasted, no. <laughs> but, uh, you know, a bit of blue for girls, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, have we got a tweet on this one? Someone uh, tweet we, to the band? We do. Uh, so... Coach Avera, I'm going to go with. I mm-hmm. apologise if that's wrong. It's at Coach Avera, okay. Yeah. Um, Hitman's bodyguard was awesome. Sam Jackson and Van City Reynolds. That's that, his Twitter. Yeah, hell. I really dislike yeah. that. But uh, So they were meant to be get- together in movies, so I think, you know... Uh, Ryan Reynolds just really wants to remind you that he's Canadian, so... Uh, yeah, so... Yeah. Thank. yeah. But, uh, well, okay, so he agrees with me to an extent. That's fine then. Okay. Yeah. Next. Number four. The Emoji Movie. Which is a real... Uh, just Can we just say Cluster F? Cluster F. I, I just hate the idea of it. Well, the idea of it is worse than the actual film is. The film is, in itself, a bafflingly hilarious mess. It is a an exercise in corporate shill work, wrapped around a kid's movie that's in turn wrapped around a, a, a sort of well-intentioned comedy that's trying to ignore the fact that it's corporate shill work. And, yeah, it's a non-mover. It's yeah, an- even that's annoying. <laughs> Well, you know what? it has got TJ Miller in it, and he's he's kind of funny in it. James Corden's pretty likable as as high five. I thought you just meant in general. <laughs> <laughs> well, James Corden is very likable. Yeah, but he's he's high five. He's quite likable. Okay. Yeah, and uh, and and Anna, Anna Faris, I want to say is is it Anna Faris it's Anna? If it is Anna Faris. Sorry, I've got about the arts in there. Uh, Anna Faris is. Okay, but she's a bit of a uh, Lego movie. What was the name of the Lego movie? Wild Style. a uh, Wild Style knockoff. Uh, okay, but the movie—I laughed a couple times. There is a joke where they go, "Oh my colon," and it's literally a colon like emoji. Yeah, right, that's that, good. That, That's funny. You know that stuff that works for me. I didn't love it or anything, but I laughed a couple times. I was fine with that. Has anyone tweeted? Um, unfortunately. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, at cap underscore west says, the emoji movie caused all these natural problems going on. Uh, do you know what? That, that I'm not dismissing that. It, it's possible. It's aggressive. Number three. Dunkirk. You've not seen this yet, have you? No. No. Now, I, I can't recommend it highly enough. Although you've missed the chance to see it in IMAX, you I was, fool. I was going to say, if it's not in IMAX, am I, am I missing out since it's meant to be like a, a big visual, it, it visual is. wrong word. Visual piece? Right? <laughs> Vigil? Yeah, stick Vigil. with it, why not? <laughs> uh, it, is an, it is an amazing movie regardless of how you see it. It is something that you, you absolutely must see. I would definitely see it on the biggest screen you can. So not an iPad? Not an iPad. Don't watch this on an iPad. Treat it like gravity. Okay. Um, yeah, I really liked it. I think it is academically Christopher Nolan's best film. On a personal level, I still prefer Inception, though. Huh. Yeah, I'm going to be honest about it. Yeah. should we see what people have been saying? Go on. So, Emily underscore subtle, I'll say. Apologies if I'm wrong again. Uh, Dunkirk was just wow. So intense. The quality was amazing. Fair enough. (laughs) Hashtag date night as well. I'm, I'm not sure if it... Well, we discovered last week that uh, the case has a very strange taste in date movies. All right, okay. <laughs> but you uh, hey, do you know what? I've been I've had worse date movies than uh, than, than Dunkirk. So you know, I've had Saw movies as date movies. So. Wow! In fact, I went to see uh, the 3D one. Saw 3D, the yeah. final chapter. Yeah, me and Kel went as a date, and I was like, yeah. "Why are we here?" Actually, they've not announced yet if Jigsaw is going to be in 3D or not yet. The reboot. So right. we shall see about that. Oh well, on to the next one, as Jay Z would say. Number two, American Made, which is fine, I oh, guess. No, come on, it should it, like it looks like it'd be amazing. No, it should be amazing. It's not. It's it's Tom Cruise's on fine form. You know, he's he's smirking, wearing his aviators and his rolled up sleeves and his tight jeans. So, like I said, it looks like it should be amazing. <laughs> and, and Doug Doug Lyman can handle it. It is just Tom Cruise's version of Blow. All oh, right, and blow is better than this I was going to say blow was amazing blow was great that speech with Johnny Depp where I just I flew some plants over an imaginary line is one of my favourite ever (laughs) speeches in a movie but have you got a tweet for us what have we got Uh, yeah so it's Tuggy Tucci D again I'm really bad with these names Tuggy Tucci I like that yeah so um, American Made is the best movie I've seen this year okay great Tom Cruise great Tom Cruise yeah not like average Tom Cruise. Yeah, or like... Good yeah. cruising. <laughs> <Dim>. <laughs> Top drawer cruise. <laughs> Top drawer cruising. Number one. Hiya, Georgie. It. It. Were you just freaked out by, hiya, Georgie? Yeah, and like everything about the advertising for this film freaked me out. Right, I really liked it. I really did. I thought, it was, I thought it was a really good movie. Um, For my money, it wasn't scary, though. I mean, don't get me wrong. When when Pennywise is on screen and he's charging or he's leaping out things like he, there's jumps. There's a couple of jumps there, but it's not an inherently scary film. It is, however, a very atmospheric film that's very much filled with dread. And it is about that atmospheric feeling of dread. It's about the fact that for long stretches of time, you can't quite settle back down into your seat ah. because you just feel at you know complete lack of ease. It's really well made though. And uh, Andy Muschietti, uh who's this is his second film, would you believe? Oh, like right. Ever the first one was Mama. This is light years ahead of Mama. But for someone's second film, this is frankly astonishing. Yeah. Can't believe this. This is like someone who's been directing for twenty years quality. And the cast are all relative. Are all pretty good. I didn't. The kid from Stranger Things annoyed me for about the first half of the movie. But then once he actually became useful to the plot, he kind of brought <laughs> it a little bit. And uh, yeah, I'm with Jaden Lieber. I thought was terrific and I do think Bill Sarsgaard Skarsgard, sorry Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise yeah. really works and does serve really well as a reinvention of that character because Tim Curry is so iconic that it, it's really even if you've never seen it you know Tim Curry as Pennywise yeah you do, regardless of whether or not you've seen the film. He's like generic scary clown. He is, isn't it? If you, if, if, if I say to you, scary clown, you're going to picture Tim, Tim Curry. You're never quite going to picture Bill Skarsgård, I don't think. I think you'll still picture Tim Curry. The internet might change that. Though. But, you know, meme culture may well change this. Yeah. So we, we shall see. So what's Twitter got to say on the matter? Um, so, S-T-F-U Calvin. Okay. Um, I say that to Calvin all the time. <laughs> says it movie uh, was actually so good and really funny. I can't wait for chapter two. It actually is kind of funny. Kelly said that. Yeah, it is kind of funny. Oh, she saw it. Didn't she? Yeah, she said she had a few laughs, um, a couple of jumps, and a few laughs. But I, is. I'm so scared. I will say this. You know the bit in the trailer where you see the projector? They're watching something on a projector, and it's like a photo of someone's mum with long hair. Yeah. And the hair sweeps aside, and it's and it's Pennywise, right? You'd think, wouldn't you, from that trailer? oh, that is creepy. When you watch the film, way, way creepier, way more over the top, should be ridiculous, should make you laugh at how stupid it is, and yet, it's amazing. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen. I be in my at any time. And we're back, wingman. So, where should we go next? Uh, let's go to My Pure Land. My Pure Land. Okay, this is uh, this is a film that's not in English. We another a clip, um, which is a shame, isn't it? I wonder if they just do dubbed versions for radio purposes. They should do. Plus, you always get me with clips, so yeah. I, I always look forward to a good clip. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is a really interesting, interesting work. This this is a film that literally it's. I mean, it opens by hitting the ground running. This movie literally opens with. You know, a family in a remote uh, house, a remote rural house in Pakistan, basically just having men turn up at the door shooting at them. Oh wow! That's literally how this opens. Uh, you've got father, you've got uh, three daughter, three two uh, sorry, mother and two daughters, and the idea is that the father is one of two brothers. Uh, sorry, half brothers. When their father died, he left them different part, different pieces of his land. Right now, the the family, the, the patriarch of the family that we're following, has been left the the fertile half of the land. The other brother has not, and he's very bitter and vengeful about it. He's come basically to I want some of the fertile land but of course it's not his to have what starts is a feud that then spirals out into I'm going to bring 50 men with AK-47s and we're going to sit behind our Toyota pickup trucks and shoot at you all day mm. and yeah and he's about the daughters who basically have to learn to asc- ascend to basically be taken seriously by the men and when, when they are forced to step up to the plate they then have to be taken seriously by by their rival men ...and become the authority figures. Okay. And it's not something that's done uh, done as standard. It is really... I mean, it's written and directed by Samad Massoud. It is really gripping. It is really tense. It's... Um, I mean, a lot of it, it... It's a very stark... Visually, it's very, very stark. It's very bleak. And I'll be really honest as well. I didn't know until we got to the very, very end of the film... ...and they tell you with on-screen text that this was actually a true story that she is a that the, the central daughter that we are following is a real woman this happened mm-hmm. and she now stands up for the rights of people in, in the same position as her it is a really really gripping film I, I, I can't recommend it high enough it was something that I just came away from wow I think she is Suhi Abro and uh, because the the characters names aren't listed on IMDB alright there's just there's just a bunch of actors listed I think she is Suhi Abro but she's absolutely terrific if that's the case Um, genuinely something to see but uh, as I say it's not going to be the multiplex I don't think Uh, this is a Bill Kenwright production I think it might go Curzon or Showroom in Sheffield be an art house cinema either way but very very worth checking out I was going to say we've got them in Sheffield exactly it's I mean just look at the poster it is just a silhouette of a woman with a gun and a sunset behind her Ah, it is really something from the poster you could really assume it was a western and actually it does have elements of the western to it in a strange way there is a sort of a western very sort of or, you know the Lady of the Ranch, yeah. kind oh, yeah. of a vibe to it. You know yeah. the mother having to defend the ranch, kind in this case the daughter. But very worth checking out, definitely. So, what's in the news? then? when we go? Uh, so we've got Anthony Mackie joins uh, teen racial drama The Hate You Give. Oh yeah, this is based on a book. This is based on, evidently, quite a popular book from a few years ago. And it's going to start... A few weeks ago, there was a film called Everything, Everything. Right. Do you remember? I don't know if you saw this. This I'm I'm well out of touch. It was the latest fault in our stars kind of a thing. Okay. Uh, Her name was Amanda Stenberg. So it was Amanda with an L, Amanda Stenberg. Uh, She was, when she was younger, was Rue in The Hunger Games. So uh, yeah, right. you remember, this is going to be her career now. She be. I remember Ruth from Hunger Games yeah, she's yeah. grown up now. Yeah, she's <laughs> like she's like nineteen twenty now. So yeah, because it turns out it's been that long since the Hunger Games that 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 chick is now like twenty. Really, so, like, <laughs> it's been that long. Hunger Games. We don't, but it was like six years ago now. So yeah, and now I was I was the same. That's crazy. It is, but uh, I mean, don't get wrong. It felt like they went on for about fifteen years. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that that third one, (laughs) goddamn, President Snow, President Snow, it's Katniss, (laughs) President Snow, for like twenty minutes. Yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah, we get it. The signal's patchy. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think in the Honest trailer, they actually took the Mick out there as well. I love Honest <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, she's uh, she's gonna lead this one. This is the uh, so uh, the Hate You Give. The story is about a young black girl who goes to a posh white school, um, but she herself lives in a poor black neighbourhood. Right. And yeah, and it's it's about that divide and things that come up. And actually, Mackie's gonna play a drug dealer, huh. which. You said, actually it used to be the dumb thing that if you were an up and coming young black actor you try to avoid playing the drug dealers because you didn't, yeah. want, to, you didn't want to be typecast to what were you would deem to be some an, an, an image that was detrimental to the African American culture yeah. um, nowadays actually Anthony Mackie because he can do this kind of thing and he makes it work he I can mean, do what he wants when you look at like, Michael B. Jordan in Fruitvale Station you're like yeah. yeah you can actually really make something of these roles now because they're actually getting better written than they used to be Yeah, and you actually have really good black filmmakers this one I think is George Tillman Jr Okay, and uh, really good black filmmakers who know how to write these characters in such a way as to actually make them characters and not caricatures so yes Anthony Mackie's going to be absolutely brilliant in that I am sure so so before anything else on the news before we move on well yeah so the 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 Wolves won because Liam Neeson's retiring from action movies so oh so the Wolves can rest easy now yeah Oh, I mean, we... what's he going to do? Like, go back to pretending he's a serious actor? Because that's ridiculous. Well, he'll just find another superhero to train. You know, that's how it works. It's <laughs> <laughs> totally how it works. Hey, look, we haven't got a solo Batman movie out of Ben Affleck yet, so I'm sure that's going to come up. <laughs> you know? The exact same character. Exactly the same like, Guys, we've seen this. <laughs> why not? Because Liam Neeson's been playing the same character all these action movies for oh. these years. So, you know, totally, why not? But... <laughs> The thing that defines Liam Neeson for the last 10 years for me is that cameo he had in Ted 2. When I've, he not, came I've not in, seen Ted 2 like, In Ted 2, they just take the mick out of the fact that uh, Liam Neeson plays a tough guy. Right. Because he wants uh, kid cereal, but he's not a kid. And he thinks he'll get in trouble <laughs> if he has it. And somehow this managed to become the ultimate succinction of Liam Neeson's sort of contemporary image. I just remember um, on the show we, we referred to it as Wolf Puncher. Wolf Puncher. <laughs> just for weeks. Neeson v. Wolves. <laughs> and, and God, I love that movie. It's great. So good, like, isn't it? The, the, the plane crash scene's just... Oh. It, not only is it great, it has Frank Grillo in it. Yeah, which, That's how good it is. I like think The Purge was even good with him in it. I know! You've actually made The Purge movies work. Like, oh, we have news about The Purge, by the way. The, you know they're doing a fourth Purge movie? Yes. Despite the fact that they've ended the story. Yeah, really, right. like. Yeah they, they Cleanly g- as well. yeah, they stopped the purge. Yeah. That was at the end of the last one. Seems like, I was going to be a new purge review. How? It's supposed to be, like, in someone's basement this time? Oh, they're going to go before... They're going back to oh, tell man. you the story of how the purge actually started, and oh. they're going to explain certain things that people have always asked about the purge, which is, for one thing, why are there still people on the streets? Yeah. Why do people stick around? Why don't people go on holiday? They're going to answer these questions. Now, I actually know the answers to these questions... But I'm not going to spoil it for you. The thing is, though, is if they answer those questions, what are you going to talk about in, in a, a fifth pub? one? In, no, in a pub? Or in a, a pub? You, yeah, just over a beer. So it's been on the telly recently. Well, we just go back to debating if the Incredible Hulk's uh, underwear contains enormous green genitals. Oh, okay, uh, that, that's that's the that's what we revert back to, and that's whether nice. whether or not Greedo shot first. Yeah, uh, green people are in it either way. <laughs> 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 I don't know why, but green people, man. <laughs> right, what have we got to review? American Assassin. Yes. Okay, let's talk about American Assassin. So this is uh, based on the books by uh, Vince Flynn. This is not based on the first of those books. This is based on something like the ninth of those books. Is that so we can have prequels? I I have no idea. The idea is so that we can apparently have a younger actor playing the central character and basically give him an origin story. The younger actor in this case is Dylan O'Brien. And the fact that you've just given me that blank look and shaked you and shit and shook your head, uh, is, is about right. Because I had to look up Dylan O'Brien as well. I'm like, who the hell is, oh, he's the maze runner kid. Yeah. Remember the maze runner? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, him. Um, he's a thing. And the villain of this movie is Taylor Kitch. Remember him? Um, oh, the, um. The, yeah, you the, have to look it up, don't you? He's like, oh, John on Mars guy. Yeah, J- John on Mars. Yeah, he was John on Mars. <laughs> oh, and Michael Keaton's in this movie, who was Batman, and he's the best thing about it. Oh. Absolutely. He's laughing all the way to the bank. Right, so, Dylan O'Brien is Mitch Rapp. Wow. I know, what a name. Mitch Rapp, who, whilst on holiday with his girlfriend, he proposes to her on the beach, in the water, videoing it all through selfie mode on his phone. And wouldn't you know it, terrorists strike and start gunning down everyone on the beach, and they kill his fiance violently in front of him, after she's only been his fiance for about 12 seconds. So... What's a boy to do? Well, he goes back to the US, he drops out of college, and he starts really paying attention to uh, UFC fights. He okay. really does. Yeah. And he just moves into a studio. He does that thing that they all do. They move into a studio flat, they grow a beard. They don't they have, shut any curtains. They don't shut any curtains. They have a punching bag. He yeah. Wakes up in the morning, takes his painkillers, and he does the punching bag thing. Then he goes to the MA gym, and then he goes back home, does some more punching bag thing. Uh, okay. And then he spends his evenings on chat rooms, speaking in Arabic, to terrorists. So he's decided he's going to hunt down the people responsible Responsible on his own and kill them which he almost does until he's captured the CIA step in kill the people for him and then recruit him and send him off to a specialist facility where he is trained by Stan Hurley played by Michael Keaton here is a clip of Michael Keaton's uh, let's just say unique training methods I'm going to turn it up take well, it take it Carol, you know that, turn that off. What do you think? It's my mom's ring. You gonna turn it off? Am I supposed to feel sorry for you? Don't. Never, ever let it get personal. Understand? So, what you can't tell from that clip is that the video he was showing him was the proposal video to his fiance. Oh, wow. Michael Keaton's that cold blooded. <laughs> and the whole crack basically becomes that Mitch Rapp has to. Uh, that's not what he's going to get called Mitch Rapp. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Mitch Rapp gets recruited into his Elite Orion unit and gets dispatched to help take down a rogue former CIA agent who also happens to be one of Stan Early's former protégés, played by Taylor Kitsch. Um, Right, okay, Dylan O'Brien has no charisma in this whatsoever. Uh, Taylor Kitsch is about the same, to be honest. And the only person who's even vaguely amusing to watch is Michael Keaton. He's genuinely brilliant in this because he's just, he's brilliant in that way that he always is, where he's just fun. Yeah. And you can basically see he's just raising an eyebrow, shooting you that look that he always does, while snapping necks and taking names, by the way. <laughs> and uh, yeah. And he's doing all this whilst basically, and you can see it on his face, he calculates how long it's going to take him to walk to the bank after he gets off set that night okay. and cash his check. Uh, okay. And, yeah, and I don't blame him, but the thing is, this is just... You've seen this so many times before. It feels like a weak-ass millennial reimagining of the Jet Ryan series. Right. Uh, It it insists upon itself to the the idea that it's a a would-be franchise starter. It's not. It's 111 minutes long. By the time you get to the end of it, you won't ever want to remember that you've seen it. You come away and just think... I'm not sure if that wasn't the exact plot of Bad Company, but without the joy of uh, Anthony Hopkins saying, get in the car, bitch. But, uh, yeah, and Chris Rock. But, yeah, I mean, the, I mean, here's the thing. Michael Keaton tries, using, using the vast wealth of charisma that he has, okay. which is genuinely vast. Yeah. Let's not forget, this man nearly won an Oscar. He would have gotten away for it too if it wasn't that pesky red mane. Mm-hmm. Um, the vast charisma he has, he tries to inject some life into his relationship with Dylan O'Brien. And the problem is, Dylan O'Brien is so ineffective as not only an actor, but a convincing human being, that their scenes together can best be described as two people. Oh. Yeah. I mean, really, Dylan O'Brien's reaction to being told his mum had died would basically, if this movie's anything to go by, be like being asked if you want milk in your coffee. It's about the same. Honest to God, he's so ineffectual. I love the fact as well... The movie's whole shtick is... Oh, he's got quite longer hair for a change. He's, he's rugged. He's got a bit of facial fuzz and longer hair. And then the whole crux of the movie... Is, you know, it's this origin story becoming the super spy... So you can set it up for the sequel. Yeah. And what, what's what's the big manoeuvre there? Let's just make him look like don O'Brien again. That's his charisma change. Oh, like, I, I don't care. I really don't. I had to look up the fact that he was in The Maze Runner. Quite clearly, this kid isn't memorable. The film isn't memorable either... It's <laughs> it actually helps out another film we've got to review because it makes another film look even better later. Okay, but uh, it's pretty poor. you won't be interested. Don't see it. <laughs> With the latest film news and reviews. this is offscreen. The onscreen radio show. And we're back for one last round then, Mr. Coulson. So, where shall we go next? Do you want to give me some news? Have yeah, should we do news? a quick bit of news? Okay, um, what we got? So, Spike Lee and Jordan Peele team up for Black oh, yeah. Klansman. Black Klansman. It's, it's, I love the oxymoron in that title. Yeah. But, uh, right, this is the story. I love this story as well. This is a, a real story. Right, this is, I think his name was uh, Ron Stolwell. I think his name was. Okay. Right, he genuinely infiltrated the KKK. Right, he was a black law enforcement officer who not only infiltrated the KKK, he became one of their chapter leaders. Now, I was fascinated when I read that because I'm like, how the hell did that work? I mean, I know he's hooded. I know you thought, I know you're under a hood, but someone would notice. Wouldn't he wear gloves the whole time as well? But uh, no, so it turned out when he actually, he did most of his undercover work via over the phone and via correspondence right. and then sent a white fellow officer to basically play him for in-person meetings. Ah. Which is brilliant and surely sounds like a role for Garrett Headland, But... Uh, <laughs> I mean, if this isn't... I, oh, it's not going to be... It's a, it should be an Anthony Mackie role. It's not. It's Denzel Washington's son, John David Washington. Oh. So, yeah, who apparently is in Ballers, but I'm not sure who he plays in Ballers. Because I, I, I say I watch that show every week. I have no idea which one of those guys is Denzel's son. Because I only recognise, like, you know... Uh, the Rock. <laughs> know. Yeah, I recognise D. John and, uh, and... And uh, Corddry. Rob Caudry. Oh, God, love that guy. I know, Rob Caudry's amazing, isn't <laughs> he? so good <laughs> enough. But, uh, yeah, so that's, that's got to come Jordan Peele's producing, Spike Lee's directing. I think that's how it works. Oh, and Spike Lee has also co-written and will produce with, yeah, with Jordan Peele. So, yeah. I mean, it's It's got the best footing, really. Oh, yeah. I mean, let's be honest, Get Out, it turns is the ultimate door opener. Yeah, so that that film turned out to be uh, quite the win for Mr. Peel. It was. It was really good. It was really, really good, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so uh, let's talk then about the Villainess. Our last review for the radio edit. Yes. And uh, brace yourself. You are going to love this movie. Okay. Right. Okay. Take the concept of Nikita. Okay. And then have that character go on and do the plot of Kill Bill. That's this movie. No. Okay. And it's great. Right. So this is a South Korean movie. The director of it, whose name I'm going to have to look up now, um, the, the director of it has he's he's done a couple of films, but he's not actually been sort of internationally noticed, as it were. And you watch this film, and you do actually think, well, why? All right. So he's this is his third actual film, I think. In the first one's been a short, one's been a documentary. I think this is the narrative debut. So Byung Gil Young is his name. He's also written it, and it's the so it's the story of Sukey. Who is, an, who is an assassin. She's, a, you know, not hence the... Well, not the clever title. that will be American Assassin. She'll be South Korean Assassin. This, by the way, is the film that American Assassin makes makes look so much better. All right, <laughs> right. Not that it needed to. This film was already great. So, the movie opens with suk as this just hyper-violent, John Wick-style mega-assassin who breaks into a facility to wipe out an entire gang. So she breaks into this sort of drug lab, kind of warehouse drug lab thing, and it's all shot in the style of Hardcore Henry alright right. so it's first person and it looks way better than Argo Henry okay. and you just see this for about the first five minutes all first person and she just dices through this warehouse she's then arrested captured and whilst incarcerated taken aside by an intelligence agency who recruit her to work for them in lieu of actually doing jail time she is recruited for a period of ten years and then she will be allowed her freedom in this time she can, she's allowed to live a relatively normal life like a cover life yeah. So she has, like, an apartment, and she has to raise a daughter and things like that. Okay. Um, but this all comes crashing down, though, when she begins a relationship with the new guy that moves in next door, and her ex turns up. And this is about the point we would normally say, we've got a clip. But even if it weren't in South Korean, most of this film is shooting, slashing, and a variety of different bone snaps. So... Hmm. Right, here's where I'm going to sell you this film. I'm already in, I'll be honest. First scene. Before I sell you then, okay. First of all, it has just as much action in it as it has genuine, bona fide character development, introspection, and proper storytelling. However, it does still have action, and that action is literally the best collection of well-staged, well-executed action sequences you've seen since the raid. I was gonna say. Yeah. And when I tell you that at one point this involves three people on motorcycles at max speed driving through a tunnel, sword fighting, and you believe every second of it. I'm so in. Yeah. It is It's jaw-dropping. Right, there is a car car chase sequence involving a bus towards the end of this film that you genuinely look at and you are mystified how they have shot it. Because I don't... Like, on a level of pure physics, I don't understand how they filmed it. Because I'm just looking at well, this it, is, this is incredible. I have never seen anything like this. How have you done it? You know how John Wick does that whole thing where the camera stays relatively still? Yeah. But the characters move so quickly and the action so hyper-violent. Right, imagine that, but the camera's moving too. And it's moving all around and whipping all over the place. It's phenomenal. It is really something. It's, I mean, even if it weren't a great movie, which it is... It would still be worth seeing for the action scenes. Oh, yes. But those action scenes are amazing. Like genuinely jaw-dropping amazing. However, it is, you know, it has got character stuff. And as far as that goes, um Okmon ok- uh, ok- Kim, who plays Suki, is brilliant. She is great in this. She's got a way of kind of cutting through, kind of cutting through the sort of lantern-jawed elements of it and really selling the character in a way perhaps not done quite so well since I wanna say kill bill okay kill bill or nikita imagine if we of the two films it aches that's it. It, it is it, it is on the quality level of those. Almost toned down to her performance and really, really great camera work, really well staged direction, fantastic choreography. I kept looking for Iko Uwe to turn up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he didn't, but uh, you know, you thinking, he is the only thing missing from this film. It's genuinely great. You, of all people, are going to absolutely love this. It does we, uh, We're watching this on Beer and Pizza Night. I was going to say, yeah. This is Man Night material right here. You, you double this with The Raid. Like, you skip Raid 2 and watch this instead. Uh, yeah, that, that, that would totally work. In fact, Raid and Villainess crossover, come on, can we make this happen? That would totally work. All uh, right. I would, I, would, I, would, I, would, I would let that happen. I know they're two completely different countries, but I'd let it happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Indonesia meets South Korea. Let's ignore that violence. Ignore that for well staged violence <laughs> that rivals one another. So, uh, we need to pick a film of the week. So, uh, I'm going to give it to Victoria and Abdul, I think. Well, yeah. I loved the villainess, really loved the villainess, but I, I was grinning ear to ear all, all the way through. When, when reviewing them, it, you were grinning yeah, ear to ear. Yeah, so. I loved it, and I loved Judy Dench. I loved Ali Fazal, I really loved Andy Yazard. Victoria Abdul is something you absolutely have to see, and do check it out. But uh, if you're an action fan and you get the chance, don't miss the villainess. Do see it in the cinema and just revel in this. Just, just taking it on the big screen. Uh, we saw this at the BFI, which is a, a really relatively small screening room, but it's one of those that's designed in such a way that no matter where you sit in the screen, you've got a really good angle of this this relatively small but quite still presently sized screen. Oh, so it's like the perfect seat in IMAX, but no, no matter where you are. Exactly, yeah. And perfect place to watch this film. It was genuinely fantastic. But... Victoria and Abdul film of the week let's not take away it's thunder give it up for Judy so let's talk about next week Uh, Borg v McEnroe is next week Uh, Shia LaBeouf as uh, as John McEnroe oh yeah 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 and I, I hear good things I do hear good things. I know zoology is written down on our sheet, by the way, but that, it turns out, has been bumped a week. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, we've got In Between, which I know very little about. In The Last Days of the City, which I know very little about. I really should do more research on these things, shouldn't I? Uh, we've got Tawai, A Voice from the Forest. Uh, we've got On Body and Soul. And there's a little uh, sort of indie sequel out next week. Kingsman, the golden circle. Oh, yes. You want to hear about some of the marketing stuff they're doing for that? I'll tie you in a podcast extras. Okay. Don't forget, by the way, if you want more show, if you, if, you, if you decide you've not had enough of us, you want more of us in your life, download those podcast extras. Just download the podcast. We're there. We're after the credits. You know we We, we unbutton. If we do a few more buttons, we relax a little. We chill. <laughs> we open a can. We open a can. <laughs> Guess a bit blue foot dance. (laughs) There's fun to be had. In the meanwhile, we've got all those come uh, next week uh, off screen. In the meanwhile, this has been Kelly Stubridge for On Screen. I've been Van Connor. I've been John Coulson. And we'll be back. Just show me the way to get out of here, and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Off Screen. For more news and reviews, visit onscreenfilm.com. Podcast extras, aren't they always fun? <laughs> <We're> excited. <laughs> so, uh, where should we start this week? Should we reduce, let's do some news first? Oh, the, the we should point out the uh, as we're doing this, because obviously we pre-record, uh, the first image of David Harbour's Hellboy has just come out. In the face, he looks exactly like Ron Perlman. Although this dude is cut. Yeah, he's ripped. He is ripped, isn't he? You have to say it with a deeper voice. Ripped, ripped. <laughs> 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 always imagine that bit train wreck. <laughs> you have a train wreck when uh, they've argued the night before Bill Hayes says I asked her to stop but you know what she said she said no (laughs) 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 I keep catching that movie like bits of that movie on on now TV I absolutely love it Kel uh, it's one of the movies that Kel puts on when she didn't know what to watch oh I I love train wreck I don't like the ending very much I love the movie uh, (laughs) What, did you just skip the end? Did you just get, like, a certain way through? Like, I'm done. (laughs) I don't like the ending, although, I'll be honest, I I do enjoy seeing the Knicks cheerleaders, uh, you know, put on a show. That's always fun. yeah, you know. That is always fun. And actually, in a weird way, Amy Schumer is kind of cute in that scene. But uh, anyway, so uh, let's do a bit more film news then. Oh, you know about The Irishman? No? Right, The Irishman is Martin Scorsese's new movie. Okay. It is going to be for Netflix. Mm. And it's costing a hundred million dollars. It's only like seven quid a month, mate. I know. <laughs> it's gonna star Robert De Niro, Al Pacino. <laughs> really? it's got a mental cast to it but uh the idea is this it's based on a uh, true story it's about the guy who's believed to have been involved in the assassination of jimmy Hoffa. all right and a big part of the the, the controversy around it is that they it's, it's being done for netflix they're going to have to release it in cinemas very briefly so they qualify for oscars at the end of next year nice because this is a problem that netflix are having an ongoing problem um and they're going to use new, sort of the new Marvel computer effects, de-age some of the actors. Oh. To show them young. So we're going to get a young De Niro, for instance, things like that. But it's got Al Pacino, Joe Pesci's in it. Nice. Yeah. Harvey Keitel's in it. Bobby Carnavale is in it. Ray Romano, of all people, is in it. So. You can't go from, like, Harvey Keitel. <laughs> Harvey Kattel to Ray Romano. That's such a leap, isn't it? <laughs> uh, but now, Jack Houston is joining as well. Is he the very attractive man from your post? For, yeah, yeah, the very attractive man from the post on our on our Twitter feed. Yes, yeah, yeah he is. Uh, funny story about Jack Houston as well. Jack Houston trolled us for about a week. It was it was great. Jack Houston just kept, for a week, about 18 months ago, kept liking and interacting with every post we ever put out about him. So, yeah, that was that was a fun week. <laughs> <laughs> I like Jack Houston very much. While his dad was uh, in uh, in the UK filming Wonder Woman, mm. uh, he kept for, he kept having events at uh, Mister Young's at Solo screening rooms. All right. Every time I went out for a smoke, he was there, but he was always surrounded by like a, a small group of people. So I never got to say anything to him. I thought you were going to say like a team of bodyguards, <laughs> a team of bodyguards. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, yeah, Jack, Danny Houston needs a team of bodyguards, clearly. But, uh, you know, Jack Houston, for having starred in Ben Hur, probably should have bodyguards. All right. But, uh, yeah, because just Ben Hur was, was abysmal. <laughs> um <laughs> let me talk about uh, almost heaven really quickly which is uh, a documentary by carol salter uh, this is the story of yingling she's a 17 year old in china she um, moves away from her family she goes out on her own to learn a skill she becomes uh, she trains to be a mortician okay and uh, the film literally opens with a bbfc uh, cap- i mean the bbfc caption that opens the film tells you that it's it's rated highly for um, real dead bodies <laughs> Oh, wow. And, and yeah, there's, there's a fair few in there because obviously it's about mortuary training. It is, however, really, really interesting, really engrossing. And she, there's something very captivating about her as a presence. You do kind of like, I I can't stop. I really want really want to learn more about this. I really want to see more of what happens with this girl, and how it it, it kind of delves into how although she trains for this thing, although everyone who trains for this seems to wind up in something else, okay. she too is headed in the same way. And it's kind of where is she going to wind up? Is she going to make the long trek home to visit her parents or something like that? And it is it's just a fascinating dog. You wouldn't think it. I came out of the film thinking. Like, how do you land on that as a documentary subject just yeah. how do you randomly one day come up with chinese mortuary students yeah that's <laughs> that's what i want to make a documentary about yeah. that's where we're going so that's that totally it yeah. there's an entire documentary on <laughs> netflix about wayne rooney at the minute so there is isn't there yeah god i bet mean, that's boring yeah but, oh but now <laughs> so let's see what else is in the news what you got um, so I was like looking for something to, to to mention and I saw Morgan Freeman reads and then I just stopped there because I was like, yep, good enough. <laughs> yeah, he's doing a film called The Manuscript. Yeah, I'd listen to him do the phone book. I think, uh, yeah, have you ever heard the story about Zach Braff? Uh, no. Right, you know Zach Braff directed Going In Style? Yes. Right, which starred Morgan Freeman, Alan Arkin and Michael Caine. Okay. Right, whilst on the set, I forget what it was about, they, uh, they had a disagreement. About something They disagreed On the outcome of something Okay And Zach Braff did, you know, uh, uh, Made a bet With Morgan Freeman That if he was right Morgan Freeman Would have to record His voicemail greeting Brilliant Zach Braff won that bet Oh brilliant So Zach Braff A.K.A. J.D. Yeah Genuinely has Morgan Freeman doing his voicemail. That's brilliant. Yeah, and the article I was reading about this gen- actually ended with saying, "Finally, a-, a worthwhile reason for someone to call Zach Braff." Oh come on! <laughs> <laughs> which, which is totally wrong because there's always a good reason to call Zach Braff. Just to shout it's to, eagle. It's it's to get a hold of Donny arm. <laughs> <laughs> that's totally the reason. Oh, but yeah. The Manuscript. So, The Manuscript is a new movie from John Moore, who directed A Good Day to Die Hard, but we won't hold that against him. Right, no, it's too late. It's too late, yeah, I've already said it. You made your bed. Yeah, I've kind of already said it, haven't I? Yeah. (sighs) Ugh, wish I hadn't. Yeah, sorry. But anyway, so, uh, he's he's got this film, The Manuscript. Uh, Morgan Freeman is going to be an incarcerated master thief, Okay. Right. who's writing his memoirs, and he uses the opportunity to embed his memoirs with clues that Mm. a young book editor must decipher in order to track down the lost bounty of all these stolen diamonds, millions of diamonds, millions in diamonds, sorry, that uh, Morgan Freeman stole years earlier, and that is the part of the movie, and it sounds quite yeah, good. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah, like if the movie is like Morgan Freeman narrates his manuscript over the top of it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm well in. Yeah, audiobook in. Oh yeah, that would be good, wouldn't it? Yeah, Morgan Freeman needs to do more more audiobooks. Just. All audiobooks. All audiobooks. (laughs) Morgan Freeman reads Gone Girl. (laughs) That would be amazing. Oh, God, some of the crap he'd have to come out with. Spot the Dog, read by Morgan Freeman. There was a documentary a while ago, about two months ago, three months ago, called Abacus, Small Enough to Jail. I don't know if you remember... I, don't, I think I actually reviewed it when you were covering the show for about three weeks. I was going to say, is this one... Yeah, it yeah. was about the small family-run Chinese bank. Yeah. Right, okay. That aired in the US on PBS this last week, because it was a PBS documentary. Okay. But it actually aired on on PBS on TV this last week. And in in, in news that sort of weirdly ties in with that, Justin Lin, who directed all the really good Fast and Furious movies, yeah. <laughs> and Tokyo Drift. Um <laughs> <laughs> So he directed like four through six of, of the Fast and Furious movies. Sorry, three through six the Fast and Furious movies. Um, he's going to adapt that documentary as a narrative feature. So he's going to make an actual, you know, regular narrative film telling that story about about Abka Spawn of Joe, which was, uh, they were the only bank indicted after the 2008 mortgage scandal. Right. But uh, yeah, so I'm just saying. It's going to be a good. One. If anyone could make that fun, that would, that would be him. Is your phone died? Yeah. A, no. Okay. Well, I've got the news on here. Okay. okay. Yeah. So I'm out. But uh, yeah, Morgan Freeman reads the manuscript. How could you not turn that down? Even my phone was like, "Yep, I'm done." Here's here's some, a subject that might intrigue you. Do you know about? Do you know Joe Weider? Name you might know. You know, I'm useless with names. <laughs> Joe Weeder is uh, was the guy that started the International Bodybuilding Federation. All right, right. He uh, he and it was he and his brother Ben. Joe Weider discovered Arnold Schwarzenegger. All right. Right. Uh, They're making a film about their story. Because Joe Weider died in, I think, 2013. It was fun, and it was around the time I finally got around to reading Arnold Schwarzenegger's biography, Total Recall, the first two-thirds of which are absolutely terrific. The final third is basically a prolonged apology to his wife. Uh, but uh, Yeah, because it was written around the time of that scandal. Wow. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) But he does talk about Joe Weider in great detail, and he actually does refer to him as being like a father figure to him. (laughs) Um, They're now making a movie, and they've cast Joe Weider for this movie. And uh, he's going to be Tyler Hoechlin, who you might not know him by name, but he's the Supergirl version of Superman. Oh, right. Remember that last year they had Superman and Supergirl? Yeah yeah also he's from Everybody Wants Some and he was my he was one of my two favourite characters in that movie yeah. yeah he also changed the way I will use Aftershave forever but uh, yes yeah, so that's that's going to be it's called Bigger okay um, and it's uh, yeah sounds quite, sounds quite interesting that's going to be uh, one worth catching I don't know who they're going to cast as young Schwarzenegger should sure. they just do Arnie and marvel his face to make him younger <laughs> oh, they did that in Terminator Salvation look how that turned out yeah good shout good, oh, good shout. god that was poor <laughs> You're going to use such a different word Yeah, poor. <laughs> Let's just go with poor, shall we? Uh, let me talk about the case for Christ then. Okay. Which boy am I looking forward to this one? Oh yay! Another film by Pure Flicks about why believing in Jesus is the only same way to go through life. Okay. Pure Flicks, if you're not aware, are uh, a label entirely devoted to uh, pro-Christian uh, cinema, but also quite, quite right wing Christian cinema their highest profile releases are the cinematic opuses that are God's Not Dead and God's Not Dead 2 which has no subtitle but you can't help but wonder why they passed up Still Not Dead God's Not Dead 2 Still Not Dead that would work uh, the second one depressingly starred Melissa Joan Hart but uh, really yeah I know no. And I'll tell you something. Really? It was so much fun to review. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I'm gonna warn you in advance. I'm gonna make some sweeping generalizations about fundamentalist right wing Christian preachy cinema. Okay. Right. I wanna stress I'm not criticising Christianity. I have no objection to Christianity that I do any other religion. I myself personally am an atheist, but you know, I respect people, believe what they want, that's fine. That's, that that that's down to you know, different strokes different folks. That's fine fair enough right however the uh the output offered the pantheon of cinema by pure flicks leaves something to be desired now on that note the case for christ <laughs> which is based on a true story of lee scavel who in 1980 was a journalist of the chicago tribune he is played here by mike vogel who is known for in in equal measure for being the main character in Cloverfield and for being the main character in Stephen King's Under the Dome. You remember that TV series went for about three years. Oh, with, um, with yeah. uh, Hank from Hank from Breaking Bad. Yeah, yeah right. He with, with the requisite eighties haircut, you know, wide lapelled leather jacket and the the crappy mustache. Okay, right. He is married to Erica Christensen, uh, who you might remember as being the psycho from Swim fan. Remember that movie. <laughs> Okay, right. Swim fan was basically fatal attraction, but made in 2001 for high school kids. And expected us to believe that competitive swimming was a genuine sport. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's how ridiculous it was. Competitive swimming was apparently a thing. No, it's not. Anyway. (laughs) Right. So the idea here is... They go out for a a dinner one day. They have their young daughter with them. Uh, The young daughter chokes in this restaurant and is saved by a nurse who happens to be eating at the the nearby table. (laughs) Just to give you an example of where this is going, the dialogue that comes immediately after this consists of the following. We're so lucky that you were here. It wasn't luck, it was Jesus. That, that's that's the level of writing you're in for on this. I'm just going to warn you. Okay, the wife then befriends the nurse. The nurse, it turns out, as you might have gathered from that statement, is quite religious. Takes the nurse to her church. Uh, sorry, takes the the wife to her church with her. Uh, the wife, by the way, is quite heavily pregnant at this okay. point. Um, and right, I'm going to play the clip for you, and you can see where this very quickly goes. What the wife's response to going to this church has been. So what are you what are you telling me, Les? I'm saying that I talked to Jesus. I I told him I want him in my life. You what? Why? Why would you? Hey, stay with me, hun. This is a good thing. What did this Alfie woman say to you? It was my decision. Okay? I don't accept it. You don't get to accept it. I'm not asking. I, 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 I'm telling sh- you what happened and you're not sh- killing me. So it's basically a recruitment ad for Satanism. Uh, Albeit unintentionally. Um, It is so poorly written. And I mean a a thousand monkeys and a thousand typewriters working for a thousand hours have put out this script. Um, It is... Right, you you sit there through it and you think, this looks like, at at best, at worst, a TV movie, at best, made for Netflix. And then it dawns on you, actually, Pure Flix, which is written F-L-I-X is named thusly because they offer a streaming service. So, yes, it has been written for flicks, but not Netflix. Right. It has no ambition beyond... Ain't Jesus great? (laughs) Well, the name... Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Well, the whole thing is, right, so she she, she gets, uh, effectively, a religious awakening. Okay. Right, as she puts it in the clip, she's been looking for something like this in her life for a long time. Okay. Right, he is a journalist of the Chicago Tribune, which, if you're keeping tabs, means he was working in the same office as Roger Ebert, which I find particularly offensive about this as well, because I don't like the association of this movie with Roger Ebert. No, he deserved better than that. Anyway, so, he decides to use his journalistic prowess to make the case for, uh, the case for Christ. So, his not just a clever title. Oh, uh, you see? Okay. So he tries to academically prove that the resurrection didn't happen because as he's told, it's a house of cards. If you disprove the resurrection, the whole thing comes tumbling down. But he, he struggles with it. Now, it should be it should be pointed out. This is an hour and 52 minutes long. Really? Yes. I know it sounds like there's 80 minutes at best that you could squeeze out of this one. No. Half of the runtime of this film is devoted to a storyline that has absolutely nothing to do with the central plot, in which he has this journalistic investigation about a cop shooting and a wrongful imprisonment. This has no bearing on the plot, right? Why it's there, I don't know, right? Now, I just want to point out that David A.R. White who is the producer of all these movies and one of the founders of pure flicks he also stars in god's not dead and god's not dead 2 and the upcoming sequel god's not dead 3 presumably colon still not dead he has a very skewed view about the, the coverage his films get now i mean last year when i reviewed god's not dead 2 i i gave it a really really scathing review it was a Terrible movie in every conceivable sense. And not only was it terrible, he himself was terrible in it. And <laughs> I specifically went out of my way to point out that he was terrible in it. Right? Because he even had a post-credit sequence that set him up for a sequel. Oh. Not even kin. Right. He actually went on social media, liked and reposted those reviews. And I can't figure out for the life of me why. you just see that his film had been reviewed and he was like... No, because the byline said, you know, review God's Not Dead 2, one of the worst things you've ever seen. I think something like that. Yeah. Some terrible blurb. I, I've not written the review for this one yet. I'm pretty sure it's going to go along similar lines. I mean, wow, we finally found a, a you know, a, a Christian movie worse than Soul Surfer or Miracles from Heaven. <laughs> Yeah, Soul Surfer. Yeah, <laughs> regain the power of surfing despite amputation through the power of prayer. Also, the reason Dennis Quaid didn't do a G.I. Joe sequel. Thanks for that. Oh, God. But, good God, you just come away from this thinking, I can't remember seeing anything this badly written. And I sat through Transformers the last night. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Oh. Like, you come away from thinking... I mean, for one thing, uh, uh, no, at one point, are they just going to start doing some sort of shared pure flick cinematic universe? Because they might as well at least inject some kind of creativity into all this bilge. I came away from it, genuinely. I walked to the next screening. I was, just, I was walking to <laughs> walking to Dolby after this, and I thought, I just need something to take my mind off how god-awful that film was, and also how much I now hate all the actors that were in there. So I actually looked up Erica Christensen's lesbian love scene from the series Wicked City okay. and watched that on my phone as I walked To Dolby, it did make me feel better. I'm going to be honest. Yeah, well, you know, but uh, no, it is absolutely atrocious. The thing I can't figure out, and again, I I just want to point out, (laughs) I I, I would say this about any religion, genuinely. If if it were the case, I I don't understand in the case of pure flicks and its its relationship to Christianity, why the vast majority of its output centres around the notion of proving that God exists. It's a very weird thing. It's a very strange thing. They keep putting out films about proving that... Incidentally, please allow me to enlighten you ever so slightly on the outcome of this one. which, (laughs) Because you can look up the real guy and it will tell you the outcome. All right. Right. It should be pointed out... It does get said at one point, the evidence is overwhelming. And you think, wait, 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 hang on a minute, there is no evidence. You have at no point shown us a single shred of evidence. At one point, he talks to a medical professional about the crucifixion and, you know, the resurrection of Jesus. And this medical professional, who looks weirdly like Donald Trump's doctor, you know that guy who's Donald Trump's doctor? Yeah. With the, with the weird long hair, it, he looks exactly like him. It's, I, I, I'm wondering if that's intentional or not in some way. Okay. Right? But the doctor t- tells him, it's scientific fact that this happened. You're like, okay, I'm just going to invoke habeas corpus, which literally translates to show me the body. <laughs> okay? Because if you're going to start making academic arguments, well, by nature of them being academic, you need physical, substantial evidence. That's how it Quantitative evidence evidence how it works. that's how it works yeah. and this is a movie that involves court cases so evidence is something that the writers do know exists <laughs> i mean at one point literally they take they go into an evidence locker there's a, on the unrelated case the oh. unrelated they go into an evidence locker and look at evidence he's like okay so you are aware that evidence is a thing and that it exists and then it's usually in the form of physical objects maybe that's the point of this side plot what just to remind you how badly written this film is? Well, no, just, yeah, well, yeah, but just so they're like, look, we are aware of what evidence is. We're just choosing to ignore it. Yeah, or yeah. so this is clearly also evidence <laughs> because we've put it in the under the same folder name. <laughs> it is absolutely bonkers. It, the, 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 anyone thought that this was in any way uh, it, it, in any way acceptable as a work of narrative fiction. In any way, it's just demonstrably poor. I think less of everyone involved in the film. I think less of everyone who's seen the film, myself included. <laughs> I, I, I genuinely—I I felt stupider coming out of this film than I did going. I felt my IQ drop a few points. Oh god! That's how incredibly just crap this film was. It is a film so unfathomably. St- stupidly, mind-numbingly concocted and bolted together, bolted with crucifixion bolts, presumably, that you just can't help but look at it and think, well, that Space Monkey movie I saw the other month is starting to look an awful lot better. What was that called? Spark? A Space Adventure? I was, were, I yeah. was, I was here for Space Monkey. We reviewed that together, We yeah. <laughs> I couldn't go over that all. <laughs> oh, God. Space I, Monkey. I would, I would rather watch Beautician and the Beast again than ever see this movie. That that's it I would rather listen to Fran Drescher for two hours again That that's actually a line from Forty Your Virgin isn't it um, that is I'm pretty sure that's a line from Fort Your Virgin but uh, yeah it is one of the worst things I've ever seen this, this is this is a movie just just that just wears on you instantly wears on you for an hour and 52 an hour and 52 instantly wears on you the best part was I got to a point where I thought this has got to be wrapping up soon I checked my watch we were five minutes off the end of the first hour oh I thought, oh my god, no! But. There's nothing worse. There's actually nothing not. worse. When you think, oh, it's nearly. It's nowhere near done. Oh. Yeah. You know, once upon a time, actually, remember that movie The Spirit? Yes. With Gabriel Marked, yes. you know, who should be Batman. Yeah. Um, you need to drop that. He's going to be He's got to be Batman. He should be Batman, man. No, no. The hell with the like should be Gabriel Marked. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Just, if Harvey Specter were Batman that would be awesome anyway um, <laughs> that actual character that actual character yeah <laughs> just like Harvey Spector's going home at night and just putting on a bat seal he already lives in the penthouse why not yeah um, but yeah when Game of Might was in the spirit I remember I saw that with Andy Sharp and we were sat there um, in the screening <laughs> it started and he, he leaned over to me at one point and asked is this nearly over how, how, how long has this been on and I checked my watch like, I was wondering myself Check my watch Fifteen minutes. Oh. We were what we you were wanting out of that movie in fifteen minutes. Do you remember the was it the vampire's assistant that had John C? I never saw that. Oh well based on your recommendation. So, I think it's the only film that we've ever bailed on. But <laughs> um, we were just like you know I hate overlong intros. Yeah, yeah. So that intro went on for so long that during that, me and Kel were like, oh, is this thing nearly done? Like, the intro lost our interest. Like, it's not even started, Uh. and we were out. I think my favourite cinematic experience with you and Kel is always going to be 47 Ronin. Yeah. In which she fell asleep and we no, laughed our asses off at of that movie. Fell asleep. She actively went to sleep. Yeah. She took my hoodie. She actually said, didn't she? I'm going to go to sleep for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> made a nest. By the way, I'm magic. By the way, I'm magic. <laughs> so yeah, which is what happens. Well, by He's the magic way, now. Yeah. yeah, he's magic <laughs> But by God, that was that was a bad movie. That Was our, was that our Christmas one that year as well? It could have been, yeah. That one we always do at Christmas every year. <laughs> but uh, let's just have one quick last uh, slam through the news. Oh, can I talk about a, a Kickstarter thing a guy I know is running? Uh, they're making a, a low-budget horror movie, th- and they're funding it through Kickstarter. All right. It's called uh, Here Comes Hell. Okay. It, and they're pitching it as Downton Abbey meets Evil Dead. So it's going to be set at, like, a fancy dinner party. And the dead rise! Oh. It'd be like a period piece, dinner party. Smooth. It looks really good. You find it on Kickstarter. Uh, Here comes hell. Um, they're, they're, only, they're after ten grand, and on Tuesday when I looked at it, they had reached six 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 zero. so good for them. Did you screen grab that? Uh, I think I did actually. <laughs> uh, sad news: Gary Dalberman is returning for the It sequel. Uh, Gary Dalberman is the writer of is a co writer on the first It. And, uh, unfortunately, he's also written some truly terrible films as well. Uh, he did also write Wolves at the Door earlier this year, that bloody awful Manson family movie. Kermo oh. uh, told that one a new one, didn't he? <laughs> oh, um, X-Force. Do you know about X-Force? No. This is one of the X-Men spinoffs. All right. This is the team one that's going to have Deadpool and Cable in it. Okay. So, you know, you get Cable in Deadpool 2. Yeah. And then Deadpool and Cable will join X-Force in that movie. It's got a writer and director now. you can love this. Go. Drew Goddard, who directed Cabin in the Woods and wrote The Martian. Ah. That's, that's got potential. Yes. Yeah, I'm totally on board with that. I'm in. Why not? Sheena, Queen of the Jungle, is being revived as a film. Why? Pfft. <sighs> Uh, well, there aren't enough women in, in leopard print bikinis on cinema screens. Loincloth, cloth, sorry, leopard loincloth. cloth. Is that the actual reason? <laughs> but, but what's the actual reason? That's the image we've got. It's literally a, a character. In. She's in comic book form at the minute. So. No, that is actually yeah. That is yeah. Just- <laughs> uh Martin Campbell, who directed GoldenEye, aka probably the best Bond movie, and he's uh, in the best N sixty four game, and the best N sixty four game. <laughs> that's, that's academic, isn't yeah. it? There's no one that disagrees with that. Oh wait, there's, there's the argument for Mario Kart, but. Do you know what? I've never heard that argument. Okay. I've never heard anyone tell me that Mario Kart was a better game for the N64 than GoldenEye. I think we all know GoldenEye owned that. Okay. In the se- but having said that, my favorite game for the PS1 is Apocalypse, starring Bruce Willis. So, yeah. Um, but Martin Campbell, who directed GoldenEye, who directed Casino Oil, and directed Green Lantern, um, is going to direct a contemporary update of the Arabian Nights story. So, Alibaba and the Forty Thieves. <laughs> but it's going to be set in the modern day, and it's basically going to be like National Treasure. Okay. So, I'm on board with that. Yeah. Can we get Adam Rayner to star in it? He needs a vehicle. <laughs> One of my favourite ever studios is coming back from the dead. Right, you'll know the name. Orion Pictures, um, you remember them? Yeah, they did RoboCop, they did Terminator, they did Bill and Ted, they did Silence of the Lambs. Oh. Well, they they went bust in the early nineties. They got bought by MGM. MGM occasionally used them as a, as a sort of as a lower ring uh, sort of release label. They're now bringing it back as a full fledged studio in its own right. Sort of under MGM, because MGM isn't really a distributor anymore. Okay. And uh, they're going to put out four to five modestly budgeted films a year. <laughs> modestly budgeted. I don't know what modestly budgeted means. <laughs> but uh, did you know the, the rights to James Bond are up for bidding at the moment? Um, I knew something about this. What we we getting a new Bond movie? Yeah, but uh, you know, that's going to come out in was it 2019? Yeah, something like. That. Well, what's not known yet is exactly who's going to be distributing that. Right, because the the, the agreement with Sony ended with the uh, Spectre. Do we know who's going to be Bond? With Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig is Bond again, apparently for the last time. For the last time. Apparently for the last time. After that, can it be Idris Elba? I would love it if it were Idris Elba. Just because he's awesome. He is awesome. But I don't know, I think uh, I'm going with Aiden Turner. I think Aiden Turner would be a good replacement. I'm sticking with Idris. Come on, Paul Dark Great Bond. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, so um Sorry, there's, yeah. there's <laughs> a bidding war on. Apparently, Warner Brothers are currently the front runners. Alright. But two new parties have entered the race. Bum bum bum. Apple and Amazon. Oh wow. Yeah. Here's where it gets interesting. They don't just want to lease those rights, they want to buy them. Properly, they want to own Bond. So, like, if if Apple get it, will it just be like the U two thing? Be like U two, they'll just automatically send Bond films to your phone. <laughs> I updated my phone, and now I'm stuck with Quantum of Solace in my movies app. <laughs> Why couldn't have been any other one? <laughs> well, you know, it could have been worse. It could have been Octopussy. No. What, Bond dressed as a clown defusing a nuclear bomb on a train? Still better. Really? Yes. <laughs> or is it You Only Live Twice with Sean Connery in the really offensive uh, moment when he dressed as a Japanese guy? Uh, yeah. you forgot about that one, didn't you? Yeah. Or uh, when they decided the whole redneck thing in Live and Let Die with the slide whistle and the, the slide whistle noise and the car doing the barrel roll. Uh, <laughs> Look, let's be honest. There are probably more bad Bond moments than there are good ones. Easily. Not probably. Yeah. Easily. But uh, even some of the great ones are awful. It's very true. <laughs> I'm putting this right, One of my favorite Bond movies is "The World Is Not Enough." The World Is Not Enough contains some of the worst gags of any Bond movie. Yeah, I thought Christmas only came once a year. That is, honestly, oh, like, it's just, such a terrible line. It's got loads of gags as well. That you just you can you can just see. I, I can imagine the writer thought that was clever, but then didn't say it out loud to anyone before he wrote it down, because <laughs> that's not clever. It's like the if you're Q, does that make him R? It's like yeah, that's that's not as clever as you think it is. Mostly, it's just lazy. Yeah, that's annoying. Yeah, <laughs> Q two, Q squared, funnier. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it has some absolutely appalling lines. But you know what? It does at least have Denise Richards playing a nuclear scientist. Yeah, I and mean, there's nothing wrong with that. No, because no, that's totally believable. Well, speaking of that, reminds me, I really want to rewatch Wild Things that uh, for obvious reasons it's a great erotic thriller <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but yeah so no um, I'm, I'm giving Case for Christ the worst film of the week award it's, uh, it's well, a terrible terrible movie yeah it's a terrible movie it, if I uh, if, if I were you know an average everyday person who you know didn't review films and I just happened to be a, a deeply faithful Christian and I saw that movie it would be so bad it would probably make me question my faith okay but uh, it, it is an un, unintentional recruitment ad for Satanism, so not 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 worth seeing. Them. No, no, okay. no, 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 no. Thought a no. I, I double check. Yeah, no. no, just just no. And the worst part is Frankie Faison turns up in it. Not Donald Faison. Frankie Faison turns up, and that's that's a shame because he deserved better than this. <laughs> but. Uh... Yeah, I, I felt really bad about it. <laughs> oh. Right, speaking of things to feel bad for, here it is your moment of gauge. How to get burned? How to get burned. I, How to get burned? How to get burned? How to get burned? I don't know! Tell me!